0: Over the past 11 months, we've been telling you all about World War I from beginning to end. We've nearly reached the last days of the Great War, and it's time for us to tell you all about how a thus far neutral nation decided to make the ultimate sacrifice and enter the war to save the day. That's right, it's time to talk about everyone's favorite war-crazy interlopers, the Americans. In this week's episode, we're telling you about the United States' involvement in World War I in the last days of a war that has shaped the world in more ways than you can imagine. So, grab your drinks, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled 1918,
1: This is the End. This is a hundredth history. episode we're bang. drinking whiskey bang. and talking
2: history yeah, yeah 100th so, episode grab a drink oh, sit back no. relax and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each dan, other Dan, shut
1: the fuck up here are your
2: hosts <laughs>
3: chris, chris and Greg. Greg. yeah yeah all
2: right
1: fuck off dan i'm gonna take it away baby I always wanted to fucking fire you, Dan. Oh, I'm about to tear it up in here, baby. Mm,
0: Episode 100. Yeah. You feel it,
1: people? You feel it, listener? Fuck you, Dan. (laughs) Episode 100. Ah, 100. 100,
3: 100.
2: Hundred, 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 hundred,
1: hundred, hundred, ah! Change up the vibe a little. After all, feeling like tossing some salad, eating some scrambled eggs. Yes! Cause I don't know what to do with my tossed salad and scrambled eggs. All right, fuck it. Back to the original vibe. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Hello! To the 100th episode of 100 Proof History. We did it. They said it couldn't be done, but here (laughs) we are.
0: (laughs) Fucking cucks. Of course we did it. Hadn't been cancelled yet, bitches. Oh, let's not tempt them. (laughs) Yeah, and by bitches, I mean general weak humans, not just ladies. Well, of course not. I mean, the ladies are included, because they're weak and fragile, but, uh, you know, everybody knows that, right?
1: Just like the men that listen to this show. Yes, 100%, yes. And the ones that make it. Stop making me save you. <laughs> oh, man, it's, uh, it's been a long journey. hmm And as the title of the show, I was going to say implies, but directly says, this is the end. This is the end of our 100-show contract.
0: Ah. <sighs> I'm just sad. I'm sorry. That's all I got. I got a nice little sad little sigh in there. Just, eh. Oh,
1: dude. I've, I'm finally free after this. It's the last day of work. I'm just going to fucking do nothing all day. <laughs> Clock in, put the feet up on the desk. Oh
0: Let you do everything. I've been listening to Green Day's Good Riddance on a loop. Just like taking the gun in and out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> that would make me put a gun in my mouth, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's been a good run mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know it's, it's been fun It's a lot of work I don't think yes. people realize how much work this is This is a ton of work Not a joke No As an example We can see the analytics on Spotify Of when people listen mm-hmm. And when they start checking out And it's basically like right after the end of the story Or right after Fast Facts Everybody tunes out do you motherfuckers not know that there are hilarious bloopers at the end of, like, every episode? Right, yeah. A lot of people don't, based on the uh, listenership.
0: Yeah, you gotta get through, like, 30 seconds of us saying, hey, please check out our website? Please, please help us. And then you get to the funny stuff again, and it's it's definitely worth it, so. That's why know. they
1: check out. Yeah, it is. So like, well, check, check us out on the fucking uh, internet. <laughs> and <then> it's fucking... <laughs> We got a Patreon, you can, you can give us some money if you want. Which, by the way, we do have a Patreon, $3. <laughs> anyway,
0: continue, Chris. They're like, these fucking digital panhandlers, these motherfuckers. <laughs> I can't even, like, look at my phone because they're on my phone right now playing, so I gotta just pretend like I'm driving away and close the app, you know, it's, it's just
1: bullshit. I'm staring at, at my car, Dash. You know, mm. the, the homeless person thinks I'm looking at, like, one of those fancy navigation screens. I'm just staring at the AC controls. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Just, like, clicking around on them, pretending like there's a screen there. Yeah. And then when the light turns green, I flip them off real quick and <laughs> peel out. <laughs> and they, you, you never know
0: that they're doing funny shit after you drive off. They're being hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Should have stuck around.
1: Exactly. We're in the wrong here. Yes. Oh. What's on the agenda today, Chris?
0: Today we're talking about the Americans in World War I, we're wrapping up our World War One series. We've been doing it all year, going to end the whole war right here and now. But of course, you can't talk about any war without talking about America, because we're kind of the best at it, I'm just saying. It's kind of what mm-hmm. we
1: do. Oh yeah. This war started that.
0: Yeah. If there's not a war out there to be fought, man, we're going to find one. We'll make one. Fuck Exactly. <laughs> Wait,
1: there's a war on the other side of the world? Mount up, boys. Yes, yeah, do we're it. We're going. Let's
0: go spread some fucking freedom.
1: Yeah. This is where that began.
0: It is. This is our first taste of uh, interventionism, or whatever word you would use that actually makes sense in that sentence, to say that we like <laughs> to uh, involve ourselves and stuff. Became the world police. That was our first taste of that. Being the heroes, man. Saving the day. So, really looking forward to it. Uh, really looking forward to my emphasis on patriotism that will border on jingoism. But, uh, we'll get there. We'll, we'll see what happens as we go forward. And who is our source for this fine tale? Oh! Our source is the son of a great American hero. His book is called Yanks, the Epic Story of the American Army in World War I. And the author is John S. D. Eisenhower Son of uh, Old Ike President Leader of uh, The Allied forces The American forces In World War II Never heard of him Pretty much a badass I'm sure we'll do a show on him At some point And you'll You'll read my outline And then you'll know about him Yes Um, yes. But No he's pretty much a badass And his son uh, Rode those coattails To writing a very mediocre World War
1: I book Well It's because John's just kind of Old tech. Yeah. You know, if it was John micro SD Eisenhower, (laughs) maybe it would have been a little, you know, had a little more modern steam, a little modern flavor to it.
0: Can we just end the show now? Can we just call it 100 right there? That joke. I mean, we probably should. I need
2: to interrupt you guys real quick. Oh, what? Hmm. Um, Okay, Wolf Dick. Sorry, it's
1: uh, our producer. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to talk to us in breaks. What do you want?
2: As you know, our original 100-episode contract has come to an end.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, we mentioned that, yeah. That's why we've been uh, celebrating and <laughs> right, yeah. doing coke-off strippers all day. Already hammered.
2: Oh. What is the point? I doubt either one of you drunken buffoons remembers, but I have power of attorney over both of you when it comes to 100 Proof History Podcast Matters.
1: Mm. But We're ending the podcast yeah so, it's over I mean, this
2: is
0: the last episode
1: it kind of goes away yeah.
2: the good news is that it should satiate your desires to scale things back i know you both feel overworked and underpaid mm-hmm. so here i am throwing you bitches some crumbs also good news is that we're very close to getting a little Caesar's sponsorship oh yeah so we'll be sure to make the next episode relevant to that fact <laughs> what the fuck
0: yeah, I was done, man. I was checked I'm out. I'm already
2: done with this shit. I mean, Little Caesar's pretty exciting.
0: I mean, that's uh, basically what
1: I live on. You know, <laughs> We fucked up that Subway sponsorship in one episode.
0: Yeah, I can't get any $5 footlongs anymore. They won't even let me come in the restaurant. But a $5 pizza, that lasts me like a week. That's fucking great that we're getting those, right?
2: I hate this. I'm uh, not doing it. Get back to work, bitches.
3: Oh Goddamn: mm.
2: Yes, sir, that's Sir Daddy to you.: <laughs> Yes, sir, Daddy.)
0: <laughs> well, I'm not saying it. Greg's my Sir
1: Daddy, so I guess he's my Sir Granddaddy.: Guess I'm canceling all those conversion bus trips I was going to take.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: i was gonna get a girlfriend and kill her somewhere.
0: No, 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 shh, shh, sh- sh- no, oh. no, no. Just come back home mysteriously with her van, you know. Just show back home. I don't know where she, uh, you know. She, oh, uh, that's how you get away with it.
1: Well, I don't know how long this new contract is, but let's just fucking get it over with.
0: I guess. Ugh. I mean, I'm pretty excited about the pizza. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm pretty fucking stoked. It's
1: Little Caesars, dude. Yeah, it's disgusting. So it's so good. I mean. It's really good. New sponsor, Greg. Come on. Very convenient. (laughs) When you got screaming kids in the back seat, just go pick up some cardboard with toppings on it and Mm -hmm. shove it in their mouths and send them to bed. (laughs) Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, I guess we're stuck here. You want to keep doing this show and
1: just dive into the story? Guess I don't have a fucking choice, so.
0: All right, let's fucking do it. Alright, start it up. At the end of 1917, the war really showed no signs of stopping, and it was up for grabs for both the central powers of Germany, Austria, and the Ottoman Empire, or the Entente forces led mainly by England and France. About the only major power that was basically out of the fight was Russia, and that was because their entire country was falling apart, thanks to a big-dicked minister named Rasputin. Both sides were convinced that a few more casualties would push the other to ask for an armistice, while simultaneously freaking the fuck out about how many of their own soldiers they had lost. You know, take a punch, give a punch, that's all it's going to take, just end this motherfucker. Well, for the first few years of the war, President Woodrow Wilson had kept the United States out of the fight, and that's what the majority of Americans wanted. Technically, the U.S. supported England and France by providing them with supplies and weapons, but the German ambassadors had been pretty good at keeping the U.S. out of the fight, and really the U.S. would have sold them shit too, but Germany was blockaded, so they kept the Americans from profiting off the central powers as well. But some very dumb decisions by the Germans would eventually draw the United States into the war. First, in 1915, German U-boat U-20 sank the passenger liner of the Lusitania, which resulted in the deaths of 128 American citizens. It's almost as bad as 9-11. Almost. It's basically, up until 9-11, they just compared everything to Lusitania. It's like, this is like six Lusitanias. You're like, holy shit, that's really bad. And politicians were like, hey, this is, these guys on the other side, they want another Lusitania to
1: happen. I'm saying you add another 2,700 people to that total, and it's basically 9-11.
0: It is. It is. It's basically the same thing. You are correct, sir. Well, after the loss of Lusitania, Woodrow Wilson basically wrote a strong letter telling the Germans to stop that shit. Just knock that off. It's not cool. So they they agreed to stop sinking passenger liners, and war was avoided. And Wilson went to work trying to play the hero and negotiate a peace between the two sides. It's like me and Thanksgiving, man. (laughs) Someday my parents will forgive each other for what happened to me when I was young. You know, my dad was supposed to be watching me, but he went and got drunk. And then my uncle came over and he got drunk too. And then Greg's uncle came over and I got raped. And uh, Jesus yeah. Christ!
1: <laughs> too far. Okay. <laughs> God. I figured it was going to be a joke like, just lock them both up. All right. Can we agree on that? <laughs>
0: Jeez. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to steal your Uncle Thunder. So I was like, okay, well, I can't say my uncles abused me. I got to say Greg's uncles abused me. I gotta." Be- <laughs> you did steal literally my Uncle Thunder. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't want it to be my uncle. Because he's a good guy. I mean, he's a racist and, you know, bigot. And he thinks he knows how football works and he doesn't. And he really annoys me watching Thanksgiving game with him. But, you know, good guy. Good guy. He'll do anything for his family. Shirt off his own back and stuff like that. Won't get the COVID vaccine, but yeah, it's another thing. It's another
1: thing. Well, yeah, I mean, my uncle's the same way. Give your shirt off his back, his pants, his panties, <laughs> give it all to you, and more. But you're not my dad, Uncle. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm your daddy. <laughs> and then I got my voter registration card mm-hmm. because I'm 18 in this story, and I went to vote. Yes. The God. following um, week. Yeah. Thanksgiving holiday, you can't vote. So. Yeah. Yeah. Little Caesars is going to cancel us.
0: <laughs> yes. 100%. Before we even get a dollar or a free pizza, <laughs> they're paying me in crazy bread. I don't even get the fucking sauce. It's bullshit. I got to pay 50 cents extra to get the sauce. They
1: sent me a single pepperoni in a normal envelope. <laughs> it's <was> dry <laughs> as fuck by the time I got here. <laughs> But I'll take it. Yeah,
0: it's more than we're making off the Patreon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I need it.
0: But in January of 1917, things were going pretty tacular for the Germans. They had spent the previous year suffering ridiculous amounts of casualties at the battles of Verdun and the Somme which some sexy-ass podcast has covered before. I don't know. <laughs> Dan Carlin, but also we did it too, so check that out. <laughs> Their Austrian allies were proving to be complete dog shit at fighting wars and had to be constantly bailed out, including it's the bumbling Italian army.
1: Speaking of pepperoni.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of Little Caesars. You know, that's a big player in Italy. Like They're like, this is real pizza right here.
1: You know neither of those things exists in Italy? pizza or little caesars or little caesars or pepperoni oh no shit pepperoni is a u.s thing crushing my illusion
0: next thing you're gonna tell me is canadian bacon's just ham that's that's horse shit (laughs) it's bacon in canada (laughs) their pigs are
2: built different
0: (laughs) yeah what the fuck why did American peace companies, like, well, we can't just say ham, because then people think of, like, Oscar Mayer lunch meat processed slices, but what if we call it Canadian bacon? They're like, oh, that's fucking fancy. What happened? Definitely not as good. No. it's It's different. It's definitely different. It's from a different part of the pig in Canada.
1: And not as good.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Well, in addition to all of their struggles in 1916. Also, it's important to point out that Romania had joined the Entente forces, cutting Germany off from a massive supply of grains. With their people starving, they needed a new idea. Or maybe an old one. You guys will understand that joke in a second. I want to tell the rest of this story. (laughs) Mm, mm. But I feel so much superior to all of you (laughs) because I know what I'm about to say and you don't. On January 9, 1917, the leader of the German army, Field Marshal Paul von Hindenburg and Chief of the Naval Staff, Admiral Henning von Holtzendorf, convinced Kaiser Wilhelm II to once again approve their plan to practice unrestricted submarine warfare, which meant sinking any and all supply ships sent from America to England. Wilhelm was like, hey bros, won't that just piss off the Americans and make them join Zavar? But Hindenburg and Holtzendorf said they believed the Navy could keep the Americans from landing troops, with Holtzendorf giving his, quote, word of honor, end quote, that not one American would land on the continent. Well, despite all that, they were concerned the U.S. would enter the war and they needed to distract them. Turns out the U.S. was currently hanging around the Mexican border and was involved in a miniature war with the Mexican revolutionary Villa, and the people still didn't have a big desire to join the fighting in Europe. But then, on January 16th, 1917, the German Foreign Secretary, Arthur Zimmermann sent a telegram to his embassy in Mexico City, proposing an alliance with Mexico. Basically, it said, quote, Hey, you dudes, if America attacks us, you attack America, and when we are in, we'll give you Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Cool. Not cool. Not cool. That's I don't want to cool. be German. No. Well I think we'd be Mexican. Which I'm I'm okay
1: with it. But I don't want to be Mexican in by proxy of Germany. Yeah. I mean we'd have some pretty good beers
0: if we were German Mexican.
1: Yeah. Just have some good you know, Mexican lagers and then we'd We'd have, have some... half good beers and half shit beers. Oh. You decide, listener.
0: Hot opinion. I don't yeah, I wanna know where this is going. Which one's best, Greg?
1: The German beers.
0: Oh, I, I like Mexican beers.
1: I'm not a lager fan, so yeah. You're sitting there drinking a Miller Light fucking pilsner, so I don't trust your <laughs> opinion on beer anyway.
0: Oh, that's because I love America. What are you drinking? Something disgusting. From... Commie Russia, I'm sure. Whiskey. Oh yeah, that's that's right. That's what those from Kentucky those fucking socialists drink. Yeah. Oh, fucking socialists in Kentucky. Fucking yeah. libtards. Well, the Mexican government shot the whole idea down. They were involved in a civil war. They knew they couldn't beat the U.S. Army or occupy U.S. lands where literally every human had a gun. And also, the U.S. was currently hunting the dude who was trying to overthrow their government. So I was like, why, why the fuck will we help you guys? This is of mm-hmm. no benefit to us. Thank God, though, that it's no longer true that everyone in those states has a gun right now. When we've we've moved past that, you know... We've, we've civilized. Everybody feels safe. They don't feel like they have to carry a gun all the time. That's a, that's a really good thing. We've, we've made it better.
1: Gun violence is a thing of the past.
0: And it sure is. Now, this whole telegram thing, it would have been a big ol' nothing burger. But uh, the Brits found out about it, decoded the whole thing, and gave it to uh, the American government. And equally as important, they gave it to the American press. The public was now hot-pissed at Germany, and Congress unanimously voted to declare war on the Central Powers. But since they weren't planning on joining the war, the Americans were completely unprepared for one. Between the regular army and the National Guard, the U.S. had 200,000 troops at a point in the war when the Central Powers and Entente forces had both lost millions upon millions of men in battle. The United States implemented a draft and began a massive recruiting drive to bolster their forces. Well, the British and the French began fighting over America like she was the only fleshlight at an all-boys school. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you don't need a fleshlight there. You need a fleshlight for an all-boys school. It's all boys. Yeah. Got that boy pussy. Yeah. I feel dirty saying it. Bat pussy. God. I hope that you edit out all of those jokes. It makes me feel gross. Yes, I will. (laughs) I don't want that to think of that as a pussy. That's a butthole, and I'm going in. It takes me longer when I think of it as a vagina. (laughs) Gross. Girls pee out of those things. Both countries were desperate for more manpower, and they still operated somewhat independently, so they were super horny for some fresh American meat. In the end, the Americans decided to join up with the French. First of all, the French had come to their aid less than 150 years earlier in 1776, so we kind of owed them one. Still feel like, we're, we're best bros. Which, this part was weird to me, just thinking about that because of going through the early 2000s where the French wouldn't join us in Iraq. And like those fucking P-words, surrender all the time, let's call them freedom fries, because fuck the French, you know? I was like, good God, man. Well,
1: that's always bothered me because if you know anything about history, like they're quite the opposite. Yeah. They are historically a very warmongering nation.
0: Surrendered once. And it's like, oh, these <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking pussies. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe they didn't fight Germany after they lost half their country in World War One and didn't have time to build their forces back up. Fucking wieners. <laughs> Well, in addition to that, the Brits planned to use the Americans as replacement soldiers in their battalions, whereas the French supported the idea of an American army working in conjunction with the French. The man selected to lead the American forces in Europe was a hard-fighting, Medal of Honor award-winning major general named Frederick Funston. But, uh, as soon as he was appointed, he promptly had a heart attack and died, so he was replaced by General John J. Pershing. We call Sloppy Seconds John Jay. Pershing was introduced to the leaders of France and Britain, and then he hopped on a boat in June to go see what
1: all this old Western front hubbub was all about. And little-known fact, the day Funston died, the news was delivered to President Wilson at a fancy party by none other than future World War II hero general, Douglas MacArthur. According to MacArthur, the president asked him who should lead America into the war, and he was the one who suggested that it should be Pershing, according to MacArthur. Yeah, you should believe him. He's definitely not a showboat. Don't you forget know, who, that part.
0: He <laughs> makes a big, uh, you know, tries to make a big splash wherever he goes.
1: Where he no, pra- he doesn't have a reputation for that at all.
0: No, doesn't pull out the corncob pipe and say, we'll be back, you know, all that shit. Yeah, Just out I- of uniform like a motherfucker. All the time, even in this war, just completely out of fucking uniform, just wants to look fancy.
1: Us enlisted boys have a problem with that, that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, he's got the Lieutenant Dangle short shorts, yeah, you know, <laughs> just all up here. But he's got the military dress with all the ribbons, fur uh-huh. collar,
3: <laughs>
1: leather jacket. Tucked into the short shorts, leather jacket included. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't even have on his uh, service-issued boots. It's roller skates. (laughs) Come on, boys! Yeah, you get a top half and a bottom half shot of this general. (laughs) Wildly different pictures.
0: We're going back to the Philippines! (laughs) (laughs) Well, over the following month, the first American troops, known as the First Division, or the Big Red One, made its way back to France. And uh, Big Red One, it's also what I call that... uh, Nipple that keeps lactating Unexpectedly
3: mm-hmm. Nice
1: Yeah, I was expecting a dog penis joke
0: Oh no it's
1: Credit credit is due <laughs> It's not that big and It's creative
0: Thank you Didn't make it about a dick for once I mean we still both went there We still both thought it But I was like okay well, I can not make this about a dick well, Obviously it was nipple dick at first <laughs> And then realized it wasn't dick at all <laughs> I mean, it is much longer than the other one. It kind of sticks out through the shirt. Everybody's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's just my big red one, you
1: know? Wolf Dick, round of applause. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Their arrival was greatly celebrated by the people, and also by the troops, who were suffering from incredibly low morale following a failed French offensive. They were sent to the French countryside and began training for trench warfare.
1: Just like Columbine. <laughs> no, it's trench coat warfare. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: in October, the libtard pinko socialist commies took over in Russia, and Italy was losing the 12th Battle of the Asanzo, meaning Germany could turn its full attention on the Western Front. What the fuck is the Asanzo? Well, that is a, a river in the Lower Alps that Italy and Austria fought over. For, like three years. And, you know, if you want to listen to that, just go back a few episodes.
1: Listen to uh, episode, I believe it was 97. Oh, you mean my my question wasn't genuine? It was only to hype the show? God damn it. It sounded genuine. You know what else? I'm a good actor.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what else is genuine, Greg? Hmm. That would be the cheese and meats on the $5 hot and ready pizza at your local... Little
1: Caesars Pizzeria.
2: Are
0: those.
1: <coughs> Sorry, I've got a shock collar on now. Mm-hmm. We have a new sponsor, and Wolf Dick just shocked me. <laughs> yes, please visit uh, your local Little Caesars on the way home. You got screaming kids in the car. Yeah. They need food. You need a drink. Stop by local Little Caesars, get you a $5 hot and ready pizza. Problem solved. Mm hmm. <laughs> Fucking asshole.
0: Anyway, please continue. (laughs) Will do. Well, that same October, U.S. battalions began moving to the front line and gained combat experience under French command. The sector they occupied was relatively quiet, but on November 3rd, the Germans launched an artillery barrage and raided the American line. Corporal James B. Gresham, Private Thomas F. Enright, and Private Merle de Haye became the first Americans to be killed by enemy fire in the war. Moment of silence. You think Merle Dehaye ever fucked his sister? That name. You know he's. From, <laughs> you know he's from Alabama.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: Oh, sorry. Moment of
1: silence. All right, continue. It's so long ago. One and a half second moment of silence. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Fair enough. The winter of 1917 was one of the coldest on record in France. So for the most part, both sides just hunkered down and waited for spring. In Germany. General Erich Ludendorff, was planning his offensive for the spring of 1918. He knew that the complete and total failure of the Germans to stop the Americans from arriving meant that they had to win the war before the Yanks got there and figured out what the hell they were doing. So he decided to, once more, throw everything he could at the Somme River to try and drive a wedge between the French and the Brits. It would be called... Operation...
1: Michael... McMyers? No, Halloween is past. Fucking wolf Dick's so dumb. Anyway, <laughs>
0: Operation yeah. Michael Buble. Buble, <laughs> it's Christmas music. I've no, holly, no, holly Christmas. <laughs> Just hanging out in the winter in his cozy sweater. Drinks hot chocolate. He's like, what are we going to call this operation, guys? (laughs) Christmas time is here. And he's like, oh, that's so good. I love it. He's so smooth.
1: She's like, we're going to smoothly kill all of those men. Yeah.
0: They won't even see it coming.
1: Yeah. Much like me with my wife. Yeah. Never see it coming? She ain't ever coming in front of me. I don't ever (laughs) see it.
0: (laughs) I don't think she's physically capable. Of doing that thing. I think
1: it's yeah, a hormonal it's the issue. Mythical female orgasm.
0: Yeah, every third day when I have to work late at work and I come home, she seems to be glowing and you know slightly sweaty and red in the face for some reason, but uh says it's just a natural high from exercising. And pregnant
1: every time. <laughs> every, every time.
0: time. <laughs> and for some reason the bedroom windows always open. And I always hear a man sound like he fell into the bushes from the upstairs, but I don't... It's the craziest fucking thing. I think my house is haunted. Well, to facilitate their new offensive, the Germans would fully endorse the tactics of using stormtroopers, carrying light machine guns, flamethrowers, and light mortars to charge into enemy positions in smaller groups, wreck shit, and then the heavy units would come in behind and clean up the mess.
1: Some fat maids (laughs) following around the stormtroopers in Star Wars.
0: (laughs) Yep, that's exactly what's happening. I'd like to congratulate you on not getting distracted by coming in the behind and cleaning up the mess. I'd like to (laughs) give him
1: some applause. Thank you. you. Trying to move away from the immature jokes. Yeah, We're in the triple digits now, people. Right. We are serious history podcasters now. And as of less than one minute ago, I am trying to <laughs> move away from my sordid, dirty ways.
0: Yep. And of course, these attacks would all be preceded by record-breaking amounts of artillery. At this point, okay, like every battle is record-breaking amounts in World War One. It's like, oh, we've never seen this much artillery before. I feel like we've said that every episode. Mm. It's kinda, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like me driving to Florida. And then, like, every inch I walk, I'm like, I've never been this far from home. I've never been this far from home. I've never been this far from And then my wife peels out in the other direction in the car.
1: Like, oh, well, what is sh- this? Brian Laundry's personal effects? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> How did you find that, Brian Laundry's parents? How did you know that was there?
1: <laughs> you found it as they're standing there, like, mouth agape. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Wait. And they're like... They're
0: like you want to get in this van with us and go across the country? Boy, do I!
1: Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Poor Gabby Petito. Can I vlog it the whole time? I hope you do. <laughs> all
2: right!
0: <laughs> well, on the Allied side, they all figured an offensive was coming from the Germans, and the political leaders suggested that the English pull some forces back to support the French. But old dumbass Douglas Haig Said that was stupid, and he and future trader Philippe Patton agreed that they'd help each other out, you know, should an emergency arise. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll send some troops over there if you need them, but, uh, plan B. Yeah. On March 21st, 1918, Operation George Michael was launched by the Germans along the British lines in the area of the Somme. Never gonna dance again, get defeated, got no rhythm. I just want to mention George Michael because he's something of a musical and personal idol of mine, like a role model. Yeah. Like, I, like I want to make some good, heartfelt 80s music. Just think of the synth in the background, maybe that, that, that saxophone with the... And I also want to kind of get caught in the restroom servicing a young man. Just, just so it can get out there, you know? If that happens, you know, everyone knows, cat's out of the bag, then I'm free to do whatever, right? I'm you not know, sneaking, around, sneaking around anymore. So, yeah. hopefully that happens and everyone can know my proclivities and somehow that gets out there for everyone. Somehow. 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 <laughs> somehow people will find that out. <laughs> you know, really, I just want my wife to find out and she doesn't listen to this show, so I, that's the only way it's going to happen. She's. <laughs> <laughs> Bust into the bathroom that travel center saying, What's taking so long (gasps) Oh my god Good I didn't have to conjure up the words You see it with your own eyes. Yeah And then I'm like I don't know what to do and I start singing Jitterbug by Wham, you know, You really was so Is this working? Are you happy again? I'm dancing, baby. I'm dancing. Get that cum out of your mustache. We're
1: through. Jesus. <laughs> you can't say goodbye to your kid covered in that. <laughs> it's not
0: even my kid. Let's not lie to each other anymore. This is a time for truth-telling, okay? <laughs> oh, I said I was going to do better. I have got to episode 100. I was going to take this seriously. I was going to be a better podcaster. Better man. <laughs> uh. Nope. I said I was going to be as good as that hot and ready pizza, which you can find right now at your local Little Caesars. <laughs> Well, anyway, Operation Michael was launched, and on the northern part of the attack, things quickly stalled, but down south, the Germans practically wiped out the British 5th Army and took control of the river so fast, the Brits couldn't even blow the bridges as they retreated. Over three days, the Brits suffered 150,000 casualties, and a path to Paris was seemingly opened. This prompted Douglas Haig to ask for that emergency help that they talked about before, but it also prompted Philippe Pétain to tell Haig to fuck off. He needed to protect Paris. Some some emergency plan, right? Because of this disagreement, the country's leaders put French General Ferdinand Falk in charge of the entire war effort. Things looked pretty bleak for the French and the Brits, prompting Pershing to say, I have come to tell you that the American people would consider it a great honor for our troops to be engaged in the present battle. Ask you for this in their name and my own. He said this despite having only six divisions on the continent of Europe, and only one of them, the big red one, was actually ready to fight anyone. But the Germans were gaining ground every day, and someone had to love freedom enough to step up and stop them. And so, the big red one was sent to the salient in the area known as Mont Didier with plans of taking the city of Contigny back from the Germans. As they built up and formed a plan, Ludendorff continued to launch German attacks in France, forcing the French to take their heavy artillery away from Contigny. In all reality, the American attack on the city should have been called off, but Pershing was all moist in the crotch to show what the Americans could do. At 6.45 a.m. on May 28th, the Americans went over the top of their trenches. The Americans took the city of Contigny with relative ease and speed, and spent the morning going through the cellars with flamethrowers to root out the Germans. Those that didn't surrender were burnt alive. One American soldier said it was, quote, just as I had seen rabbits in Kansas coming out of burning straw stacks. This is how we talk in Kansas, like we're from Savannah. You can't do that anymore. No, I can't talk like that, or I can't burn rabbits in straw stacks. What can I do, Greg?
1: You can't burn people. Oh. Like that. Uh Oh. It is against the Geneva Conventions.
0: Well, it wasn't back then, so have fun, boys. (laughs) Have fun, boys. uh,
1: Hence the word anymore.
0: Uh, What's wrong with our country? Been pussified. We can't burn people alive anymore? What the hell? God.
1: Bullshit. What next? Yeah. No sugar, only artificial sweeteners?
0: Yeah. Bullshit. Government tells me what I can do with my genitals. Do what I want. The city was theirs, and they had only suffered 35 casualties and had taken 240 German prisoners. But if you guys have been paying attention this year and all of our World War I stories, you know that it's not hard to take positions, but it's hell to keep them and the Americans were about to find that out. German artillery began to pour into the town, causing the Americans to take on heavy casualties. Wave after wave of German counterattacks came over the following day, while the American divisional commander in the city begged for reinforcements and heavy artillery that wasn't coming.
1: It's not attractive when you beg. Is it not? Yeah, it's like, we could really use these reinforcements, but... Whatever, pop your collar and walk in the opposite direction. Oh, okay. That's when they give them to you. Would I got you. Gotcha. Please give me the reinforcements. Like, ugh, you are so unattractive in this moment. Oh, uh, that's
0: smart. I get you, Greg. That makes sense. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> yeah, we could use like fifty more Patreon subscribers, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, Who whatever. Gives the fuck. Yeah, yeah. They're the one missing out. Yeah, I'm not having to sell shit pizza to make <laughs> a living right now.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Little Caesars hot and ready. It is both <laughs> hot and ready and waiting for you to come get it for your shit kids. Yeah. Come on by. Little Caesars hot and ready. Little Caesars, we're
0: not Subway. You can't kill yourself in our bathroom. We don't have one.
1: Mm, I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's what lost us the Subway deal.
0: It's a little long for a slogan, but, you know, it drives home the point, I think.
1: Well, let's pull up the old Subway ad just to see what not to do. This segment brought to you by Subway, where you can get a tasty cold-cut combo and jack off in the bathroom while you have a loaded gun in your mouth, fighting back tears. Oh, and don't forget to get it toasted.
0: Hmm. I don't see why they left us. That was an effective ad. I get
1: it either. Yeah. It's cold-cut combo. It's classic. Yeah. Come on, guys.
0: Huh. Anyway. Well, despite all the German counterattacks, the Americans still held the city, eventually forcing the Germans out of it entirely. Of the four thousand US troops that had committed to the fight, sixteen hundred were killed or wounded. It's not a great ratio. But uh we won. We did it. Yay. Mission accomplished. In the grand scheme of things, the capture of Cantigny and the closing of the Mont Didier salient wasn't a huge deal. But the Americans got their first taste of World War I, and their first victory, and had shown their allies what they were capable of. And they were about to get a lot more opportunities to do it again. Ominous voice leading us into break. There we go. Coming up in the second half, Greg tells you all about Americans in World War One. More than I've done the first half. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. We should uh, we should start introducing a, a an announcer. Now we're into our second hundred episodes. You know we had to really
1: break our this what? thing up.
0: We're into our second second hundred episodes, right?
1: What does that mean?
0: Well. We have to keep going, don't we? Like, Wolf Dick won't let us quit, so we have to keep going into the next 100 after this one?
1: It's an indefinite contract, so it could oh. end at any moment. <laughs> we have done 100. This contract does not say another yeah. 100.
0: As soon as Little Caesars listens to the episode, we're done. We're out. We we did it. We freed ourselves. Might get 101.
1: Yeah. let be honest. Yeah, we'll see.
0: I mean, it's pretty shit pizza. They can use everything they can get to sell that shit, so... Now we're gonna get sued. By who? For what? What are they gonna take? Wolf dick? Okay. <laughs> Please take wolf dick. <laughs> Please take hambone away from me. Shut up, bitch! I'm staying here for. Shut no up. No hambone. <laughs> no. Oh, I hadn't seen him in a while. He came back. Episode hundred. Well, what do you say we take a break, have some drinks, enjoy life, and then come back, and you can tell everyone else. What else happened in World War I involving America?
1: And speaking of Little Caesars, guys, online-only deal, 50% off an extra most bestest pizza. Holy shit, that's now, a
0: good deal. I'm actually going to do that right now. I know.
1: <laughs> How could you not?
0: I'm only half-joking. I'm going to fucking do that. That sounds great. That's $3, man. $3. But I'm
1: just saying, you got those screaming kids in the back of the car. Yeah. Not even yours. You get your hot and ready pizza for $5. It's only one toppin', but that's the only topping you need. We'll see you after the break.
0: All right, we aren't back from break. We had a productive break. We did stuff. I'm not going to go any further with you people because you're nothing to me. You don't even know about my personal life.
1: But if the Patreon gets big enough, you might put videos out there.
0: Oh, yeah. You're going to
1: see every break.
0: Live streaming me eating a cold can of chicken noodle soup. No, no.
1: You got to sell it. You know, because OnlyFans, they uh, at least temporarily removed the nudie pervert stuff. Yeah. So. I think it's back, though. I think it was immediately back, so. (laughs) Yeah like oh but just in case a, it goes away again yeah we build up the patreon you put <laughs> whatever it is on there yeah and we reap all the benefits
0: that has to me be like some rich person's fetish to watch somebody poor like me just eat soup out of a can on break my little wife beater shirt and my boxer shorts as my wife packs her bags and walks you know past the camera
1: it has to be somebody's fetish. Every break, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to not believe this is real. Yeah, mm.
0: she keeps coming back for some reason. I mean, look <laughs> at that guy. Look at his weird giant dick nipple that's spouting milk right now. That's disgusting. It's on his neck. That's the weirdest yeah. part.
1: <laughs> Can't even put a bra on that thing.
0: <laughs> oh, but yes, we are back, and we are ready to tell you second half of this story, but before we do that, we have to do something else we do every second half. Something we've done for maybe not a hundred second halves, but a lot of them. Like the majority, I'm going to say. And let's have a second half seltzer.
1: Second half seltzer! Second half seltzer! Second half
3: seltzer!
1: Okay, three, two, one. Oh, we did it. Oh. I always just end up opening my second one because the first one I open right when I come up here. Yeah. To the studio.
0: Don't ruin the magic of the show, man.
1: I'm still opening one that I'm going to drink. It's not like I'm fucking pouring it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have that many Patreon subscribers. <laughs>
0: well, Greg, are you ready to tell the people the rest of World War I? End the war. Save the day. Are you ready to do that?
1: Not really. Mm. I was when I thought this was the last episode. Yeah. Before I got the worst news I've ever received <laughs> in my entire life.
0: You know what the worst news I ever got in my life was? Hmm. I went to Little Caesars and they were out of hot and ready pepperoni
1: pizzas. And then you woke up because that was a dream. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a would nightmare.
0: never happened. A nightmare. Yeah. Woke up in a cold sweat. In the back of that truck cab. And the guy's like, what's wrong, baby? Like, oh, my God. I thought they were out of hot and ready pizzas. I'm like, oh,
1: oh. Go no back to sleep. I thought you were my nipple like you're a baby. <laughs> Let me rock you back to sleep. Because in reality, Little Caesars would never be out of the $5 hot and ready pizzas. That's true. Go pick them up with the kids. <laughs> Feed those psychotic motherfuckers. <laughs> Give them the cheese and the pepperoni. Call tonight. Drink some rosé. <laughs> <laughs> Drink more rosé. You're out of the rosé. Drink the champagne. Drink the Irish cream that you put in the coffee. Fuck, we're out of booze. Go to your neighbor's house. Fuck him. <laughs> are you a woman or are you a man? It doesn't matter. Fuck him. Drink whatever he has. The hors d'oeuvre. Yeah. No, only he. <laughs> Only he, Chris. <laughs> Go on a bender. Never see your kid again. Ever. 100 Proof History. Pizza, pizza. That's right. And uh, <laughs> Little Caesars, everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, let's tell the story, Greg. Go. Please. While the Americans were getting their first taste of modern warfare at Contigny, the Germans were launching yet another offensive and were pushing in the French poo further in the south. And had gotten within sixty miles of Paris. Desperate to save the city of lights from a bunch of annoying German tourists, Pétain begged Pershing for American help. Uh-huh.
0: And I'm proud to, no. to be an American. Oh, sorry. No,
1: not yet. It's coming. It better not. Pershing immediately ordered the second division to the city of Meaux to help support the French defenses around the area known as Chateau Thierry. When the division arrived, the French general asked American Lieutenant General James harbord where the rest of his troops were. harbord was like, <laughs> Oh, you're not joking. Uh, quote, <laughs> bro, this is it. End quote. Actual quote. That's what he said. He said, yeah. bro. Bro. The French general wondered what the fucking point was. And if the Americans could even hold the line, to which Colonel Preston Brown replied, quote, General, these are American regulars. In 150 years, they have never been beaten. They will hold. End quote.
0: And smash cut to all the times the Americans had to retreat in wars leading up to this. Hey, <laughs> <it> never happened. <laughs> uh, you know, just half of the Civil War, a lot of the Revolutionary War, War 1812. <laughs> we always... We always hold. Like we maybe get shot down, but we have our dicks in hand when it happens. <laughs> Just holding that line.
1: As the 2nd Division was moving into place, the 3rd Division was kicking German Keister on the Marne alongside a group of singley soldiers. This forced the German advance to turn to the east, toward the 2nd Division, who was now waiting near the French city of Vaux, in a forest known as Below Wood. Well, they soon overran French positions, but suffered a great deal of casualties, so they decided to dig in and await additional reinforcements from Germany. The 4th Marine Brigade of the U.S.'s 2nd Division soon arrived at Below Wood, and the French in the area urged them to turn back, prompting Major Frederick Wise to say, Retreat? Hell, we just got here. Metal moment. Metal, Metal moment. moment. <sighs> The Marines dug in and held off several German attacks, which gave the rest of the 2nd Division time to move into position and prepare for an attack of their own. On June 6, 1918, the 1st Battalion. Moment of silence of for D Day. You have to say the moment of silence is over. You called for it. Oh, sorry. Moment of silence over. <laughs> okay. On June 6, 1918, the 1st Battalion of the 5th Marines launched an attack on Hill 142 which sat just outside the forest and gave the Germans an advantage in artillery. They did so without the full support of their own artillery and machine guns, and their battalion leader had to move across the battlefield in a straight line, Civil War style. They suffered massive casualties, 325 in total, but were able to take the hill. And this is a big part in World War One that we've constantly mentioned, is this is a very defining moment of a Drastic change in the style of warfare. Yeah. You know, like, this guy's still wanting to do, like, let's just fucking march straight. I'm like, no, you can't do that anymore. And this happens over and over in World War I. But for some reason, <laughs> the Americans get into it and they still have people doing that. It's so weird. They don't talk it's- to anyone it's They'll every look up country on wikipedia yeah. or the yeah. news the, yeah. the google news yeah you like oh a change okay
0: yeah it's so weird cuz every country does this and we talked about it with italy and it was like what i don't know how to fucking do this it's like well the war's been going on for a year before you fucks got into it just do what they've been doing figure out what they uh, they're idiots they they're all fucking morons watch us we're going to walk right across this field oh fuck oh jesus what's happening <laughs> My world has been turned upside down, what? What? Why did no one warn me about this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that same day that those 325 casualties were taken, the 3rd Battalion of the 5th and the 3rd Battalion of the 6th Marines were attacking from the west of the forest. To do this, they had to cross a wheat field, and once again, their leader ordered them to move in rows. They were easy targets for German machine guns, and began to take on heavy casualties. Still, valiantly, because they're American, and only because they're American. That's the only reason. They pressed on, with one first sergeant named Dan Daly, who famously shouted, Come on, you sons of bitches, do you want to live forever? Yes. Is that does that mean I get to stay in the back or do I have to <laughs> kind
0: of <laughs> I, I mean past Past 17 would be nice, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> the Marines were able to gain a foothold in Below Wood on June 6, at the cost of over 1,000 casualties. The press got word of the minor Marine victory and ran with it, and of course exaggerated it by printing headlines such as, U.S. Marines smash hunts, gain glory in brisk fight on the Mon. German General Erich Ludendorff was less than impressed and said the Americans were, quote, Unskillfully led, attacked in masses and failed. I'm not even going to say end quote, even though I just said it, because obviously the fucking accent is the end quote. All right, people, fuck you, fuck you, wolf dick, fuck you. <laughs> he's so so bitter that he's trapped here,
0: an in <sighs> indefinite contract.
1: I this, thought this, I was gonna party. <laughs> I already started partying. I gotta keep doing these episodes.
0: You're like, uh, what's his face, uh, red. From Shawshank Redemption. You keep going to the parole board. Go ahead and stamp your stamps, sonny. I know what you're going to say already.
1: (laughs) And Wolf Dick's like,
0: (laughs) bam!
3: 100 more Am I rehabilitated?
1: I don't even know what that means. Approved. Fuck you, I'm going to claw your eyes out now.
0: (laughs) I
3: don't want out! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let
3: me in!
1: (laughs) Well... Ludendorff, he knew that American success would hurt German morale and boost out of the Entente. So he decided to focus extra special attention on below wood. Let's just crush these motherfuckers while we can.
0: Mm-hmm. Show them. Show them how Germany does things. How Germany fights world wars. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Last gas offensives. Those always work. Gonna work now? Gonna work in part two? Why do we have a part two, guys? Guys, why Why does this say Part 2? Why do why, why you want me to say... There's a second one of these? This, this shit's going to happen again, but... There's no Part 2. No. No? We're good? This is, this is it? This is going to win? We're going we're gonna to take out the Americans and win the war? Cool?
1: <laughs> Below Wood became a training ground for the United States to try and get their army up to speed on just how shitty Western Front warfare could be. Over the following few days, the 4th Marine Brigade launched multiple, unsuccessful attacks before they decided to turn the forest into matchsticks with artillery. The Germans responded with mustard gas attacks. Eventually, the fighting devolved into hand-to-hand combat. By June 25th, the Germans were overrun and began to surrender in droves. At the same time that was happening, the 3rd Brigade was fighting over the area around the city of Vaux. After taking casualties for a month, the Americans decided to just (laughs) take the damn city. On July 1st, they launched an artillery barrage and charged it, only to find that the Germans had actually been beaten by the artillery barrage, and they'd abandoned the city before they even came in. We did it. Mission accomplished. Hmm, hang the banner. The fighting around Chateau Thierry and below Wood was over. The Americans had once again proved that they were willing to fight to the end, and it had only cost them nine thousand casualties out of a division of seventeen thousand men. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Small price to pay.
0: So reading this book and studying on the American involvement in this war, there were so many times like they're getting bombarded in a trench or in a city and they're like, you know what, fuck it, let's just charge. Let's just see what the fuck happens. They used the old Ulysses S. Grant as like, we well, got the men, let's fucking do it. Just keep attacking, and we'll keep winning. And it works out for them. You know, in the Civil War in here, you just you just lose a lot of people, but who cares? Who cares? It's not like any of them are a white woman in a van in Utah, you know? Like, we care That's about them, point. you know, on an individual level. There's a bunch of 18-year-old horn dog dudes who probably grow up to be sex predators anyway,
1: so mission accomplished. Don't give me that look. <laughs> oh, I need to put my hand down. Oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Involuntary, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why you're Zeke Highland
0: right there, but, you know, you do you.
1: No. No, that's not it. <laughs> it's volunteering that I was a sexual predator. Oh, that...
0: <laughs> Don't you dare call me a Nazi, you piece what's, of shit. What's better? <laughs> I have to choose my battle here. Damn it. I've screwed myself again. You guys just take this pill. You won't remember. Here we go.
1: By now, the Germans had launched three major offensives in 1918, and they had all failed. They had suffered half a million casualties, including 95,000 killed in action and another 32,000 captured. Food was still running out back home, and now the Spanish flu was wreaking havoc on the army. It seemed like the perfect time to launch a fourth offensive. The leader of all the Entente forces, Ferdinand Folk, realized that it was coming, but had no clue where the Germans would strike. The place Ludendorff chose was further up north in an area that was weakly defended by the French and the U.S. 3rd Division, which held the critical Summerlin Valley. The 3rd Division was led by Colonel Ulysses Grant <gasps> McAlexander. Oh, uh, no, mm. no. No relation mm. to the other Ulysses Grant. The hero. Uh But this guy was somewhat of a wild card that did whatever the fuck he felt like doing. Okay. Mm. I like that. Yeah.
0: It's America. You don't tell me what to do, fucking Frenchie. Yeah. Yeah. You get your freedom fries out my face. We're going to do this. We're going to do this American way. We're just going to kill a whole bunch of people and die a whole bunch, and we're going to win. That's how we do it. Fight and win, buddy. Okay. Where's my malt liquor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that attitude of doing whatever the fuck he felt like doing turned out to be pretty fortunate. The Germans attacked on July 18th and quickly forced the units on the flanks of the 3rd to retreat. McAlexander was ordered to counterattack, but he refused and instead held his position. Despite giving up lots of ground and suffering tons of casualties, the Americans held the valley and drove Ludendorff's army back once again. For this, the 3rd Division was henceforth known as the Rock of the Marne. Still is to this day. Look it up. Googled it. Still is. I duck-duck-goed it because I care about my privacy, but... Anyway, go ahead. Well, Greg,
0: little known fact. Following this battle, one German said, Never have I seen so many dead men. Never such frightful battle scenes. The American had nerve. We must give him credit for that. But he also displayed a savage roughness. The Americans kill everybody. End quote.
1: Don't you forget it, buddy. Yeah Don't you, you ever fucking and forget it
0: Don't you dare go to one of our public schools We will fuck you up Ah <laughs> oh, you didn't bring your bulletproof backpack to school today huh Only hell sucks for you Junior You just wanted to go to kindergarten didn't you? Not today Today's a learning day
1: Well now I'm sad
0: Yeah, whatever Sandy Hook didn't happen all across actors Hit me up Alex Jones
1: but then comes in the uh the hero with a gun. Yeah, good guy. Good guy with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy. And yep. here he comes. Oh, like he did he... in uh all those
0: times. <laughs> hmm. Well there's the one one in Florida where he almost did, but he, he stayed outside the whole time. Almost oh, Yeah.
1: I'm sad too. He was a mediocre guy with a gun. He wasn't bad or good, I guess. Yeah, I Where was know. the good? Oh. And I'm proud
0: to be in American. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus. Those poor kids. Yep. And drunk adults in Las Vegas.
0: You know what made the poor kids and drunk adults in Las Vegas happy? Hmm. A hot and ready $5 pizza from Little Caesars.
1: Pizza,
3: pizza.
0: Just cheered them all up. Hmm. I think you can get it
1: with sausage instead of pepperoni. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. Only (laughs) $5.
0: Some dude just unloading from the MGM hotel above you. You're like, give me the pizza. I got sausage on it. God, I love this country.
2: (sighs) Get back to work, bitches.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh. Oh, that's incredibly sad. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, Chris. <laughs> uh, these facts of
0: life that I have accepted, these things that are just a normal part of life.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I think a lot of my empathy is not empathy itself, sympathy. Because I've yeah. realized that I'm, I'm locked into more of this show.
3: <laughs> and I have to
1: advertise for Little Caesars.
0: I wish somebody would school shoot me. Right? She's fucking in this right now. God damn it! Why do you have to make it worse every time?
1: <laughs> but kind of. Yeah. Oof. In the following month, the first and second divisions aided the French in reducing a German salient that they had gained in their offensives. They made quick work, and everything that Germany had gained in March and April was completely wiped away. 300,000 Americans had participated, and there had been 50,000 casualties, but the Allies were finally convinced that America was good at war and decided to let Pershing run his own army and make his own battle plans. Over the following couple of months, the Americans planned their first independent offensive, the taking of the salient near St mihiel They came up with a plan, leaked fake plans, all that cool war stuff, and then on September 12th, launched their attack, designed to drive the Germans out of their Wilhelm line and back to exactly where they were following their defeat in Verdun. Yeah, the attack was actually supposed
0: to launch the day before, but they had to commemorate the day, because it was
1: September 11th. Moment of silence. It was a complete cakewalk. All right, now back to our story. Oh, yeah. George Bush doesn't care about black people. I thought that was funny. It was a complete (laughs) cakewalk. All right, now back to our story. (laughs) September 11th. Gosh, it took me a (laughs) Not funny? It's funny, it just took me a sec. You son of a bitch. And here you are doing your Kanye impersonation. My yay impersonation, he changed his name legally. That is true. And I'm just looking at you like Mike Myers. But more so as, like, you took my fucking thunder, not... Yeah, I I was going to accuse George Bush of being a racist.
0: George Bush doesn't care about Canadians. Shut up, Mike. Jesus Christ, nobody cares about Canadians.
1: Well, it was a complete cakewalk. Mainly because Germany no longer cared about that position. But hey, a win's a win. You you take them where they give them to you, you know? Mm -hmm. No. Don't read into that comment Don't say anything, Chris <laughs> I was Sexual Screen with you 100% mm-hmm. Okay mm-hmm. Take what's given mm-hmm. 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 Nothing more Because that's how you go to jail God damn it <laughs> <laughs> The next U.S. attack Located in the Argonne Forest Near the Meuse River Wasn't going to be so easy Following the victory at St. Mihil. The Americans rushed to the poorly defended Argonne before the Germans could reinforce it. The forest was full of hills and ravines, and an attack was going to be difficult, but on September 26, the U.S. launched its artillery barrage and charged into the area around the Argonne. The first day's target was Montfaucon, which sat on a hill overlooking the forest and the valley around the Argonne. Despite significant gains of five miles on the day the 79th Division failed to take the hill and would have to wait until the following day to achieve their day one objectives. They would take the town the following day, but the delay allowed Germany to begin pouring reinforcements into the area. Over the following month, the battle intensified inside the forest itself. From this fighting would come two American military legends, Sergeant Alvin York and the Lost Battalion of the 77th Division. I'm just going to preemptive metal moment on these two. Yeah. You
0: just want to plug in the Sabaton song right now? It's Sergeant I York?
1: I don't think Sabaton would like that. No, uh, they'd probably sue us. And we would lose. 100%. I
0: to- I would love it. I'd be like, Sabaton, please take my money. I have all the Sabaton signatures on these cease and desist letters. Look at this shit. I'm going to frame it.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen to the Sabaton song about uh, Sergeant Alvin York.
0: So good. Great
1: war album. Gets me fucking pumped. Talk about history. Gets me so hard. Yep. Yes, the penis. Yeah. On October 2nd, the 77th Division, which was led by Major Charles Whittlesey and was composed of 670 men, was ordered to push further into the woods and take out the German artillery that was hidden in the forest. On that day... They gained a little bit of ground at the cost of 90 men and had to take refuge under a ravine in the forest. The next morning, artillery shells began to rain on his position, so he sent E-Company back to the rear to request reinforcements. An Major hour later... Winners,
0: Lieutenant Spear, Muck, Pankala, George Lutz, they all did it. The men of E-Company. Different war. That's a Band of Barlers
1: reference. I know, different war.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the same army, though. A completely different division and brigade, but
1: there's only one E-Company. <laughs> I think the biggest part is the different war part.
0: Just because it's fucking 25 years apart. a just... World War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, an hour later, the 18 surviving members of E-Company returned and reported that they had been ambushed. The 77th was completely cut off. On the morning of the 4th, Whittlesey sent a carrier pigeon reporting that he had lost 222 men. His machine gun crews were down to five, and he was down to three medics, and they were completely out of bandages. You know what the most surprising part of that to me is? Hmm. He sent a fucking carrier pigeon. (laughs) That's fucking crazy, right? I want that so bad. A carrier pigeon? Yes.
0: Your wife is at work? And she gets a bird on her desk, like like flies into the window like a hundred times, she's like fuck opens the window, the bird flutters in, all wounded from the war, all the artillery and gunfire, and it says where are the cheez it's like
1: <sighs> I need to know now. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is very important.
1: Wounded from the Call of Duty. Yeah. Modern warfare. From you throwing
0: your controller because an eight-year-old just killed you for the hundredth time. You're like, mother
3: fuck! he called me the
0: N-word. <laughs> Can't take this out on my wife. the bird.
1: Fuck you, pigeon. Fuck you. It's your fault. You were distracting me with your cooing. If <sighs> eight-year-old was racist against me. I wouldn't, I think he's just racist, not against you. No. I've done an episode on Robert Smalls. I take personal offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> You will not say that word around me yeah. yeah I reported them on Xbox Live I'm still waiting for the results But I'm pretty sure they're going to be favorable
3: Yeah 100%. That is not tolerated
1: in this country anymore, right? Right Racism yes. No longer exists Unlike carrier pigeons Hmm It's an astute comment I guess you could Swap the two And it would be <laughs> true <laughs> It's true The next day, he sent a pigeon requesting artillery support, which was received by the Americans, and they promptly began shelling the 77th's position. By mistake, of course. Whoopsie. We're new at
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we've been at war for like three months. What do you expect? Come on. Come on.
1: The day after that, American planes attempted to drop supplies for Whittlesley, but they dropped them where only the Germans could get them. Meanwhile, the U.S. was coming up with a rescue plan that involved sending the 82nd Division to cut off the Germans from behind. In this group was Corporal Alvin York, who had grown up hunting in Tennessee, but had attempted to get out of fighting in World War I by claiming to be a conscientious objector. On October 8th, Alvin York and his platoon were attempting to take a machine gun nest when York's sergeant was killed. Alvin York took over command and decided he was going to fight his own personal war against the Germans just like John McClane did in Nakatomi
0: Plaza. Ooh. German terrorists is a weird twist that is for
1: good. that movie.
0: That it's good. Yeah.
1: First, he picked off the Germans one by one using his rifle. Then when six men charged him, he pulled out his pistol and killed them one by one. After that, he took a German major prisoner and led him from machine gun nest to machine gun nest and took the Germans occupying them all prisoner. By the end of the day, York had killed 20 men and had taken 132 prisoners by himself.
0: BFD. But he's dead now, though. Idiot.
1: Yes, I guess he could not conquer father time.
0: Yeah, suck it.
1: While he was doing that, the rest of the 82nd broke through and freed the lost battalion of which only 191 of the original 670 men were left. By October 10th, the Germans had abandoned the Argonne at the cost of 126,000 casualties. The Americans had lost 192,000 men of their own, but the U.S. could afford to keep bringing soldiers to the fight and the Germans knew their time was up. They began to seek an armistice. After four years of fighting and millions of deaths, the Entente was not in a forgiving mood. On November 11th, at 5.45 a.m., the Germans signed an armistice agreement in a rail car in Compiegne, France, that basically neutered the German war effort for years to come. At 11 a.m. that morning, Hostilities across the Western Front ceased. The Great War, the war to end all wars, was finally over. Yes, we did it. We did it. No more wars. No more wars. We're done. In the end, the Entente forces had suffered a combined 18 million casualties. The Central Powers had suffered 12 million. Around 8 million civilians were also killed in the war. That's fucking crazy. That is a lot. That is a lot of collateral damage.
0: Barely touched on that during this whole series about how they had to flee their homes and just fucking were killed in artillery. And, oh, it's just crazy. Like, that is massive. (laughs) That's a lot of people. The The Australoher. They're all dead now. Fuck them.
1: Literally everybody in this war is dead now.
0: You don't know that. You don't know
1: that. So I guess none of it mattered, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, the Austro-Hungarian Empire was divided into separate countries. Russia was involved in a civil war that would lead to the creation of the Soviet Union. France and England were victorious, but imposed such harsh punishments on Germany that another war was inevitable, and they now lacked the money and the manpower to fight it. The US was rich and on its way to becoming the dominant world superpower. Yes, we did it. Was it all worth it? Fuck no. <laughs> That's a stupid question, right? Yeah.
0: No, no, not if it was <laughs> worth it.
1: But it did give us enough content to tell cool history stories for like an entire year. So I guess in a way all those deaths weren't entirely in vain, were they? <laughs>
2: End of story.
1: Woo! We
0: have done it. We have told the whole World War I story. Um, man, I feel like we covered it pretty well. There might be some things you guys are like, hey, what about this thing? What about this thing? Hit us up. We'll talk to you about it. We like to engage with the
1: humans. Don't fucking talk to me.
0: I will have to look it up on Wikipedia, most likely. But I will engage you and then tell you you're an idiot because you don't know every facet of it. That I just researched on Wikipedia because that's how I win internet arguments.
1: I will get engaged to you and then uh, we will realize that is illegal in Oklahoma and we won't follow through <laughs> with it. But we will have passionate sex because you think I'm going to put a ring on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Greg, before we do our final thing here, do you have any parting? Shots, World War I thoughts, well, we've done this this entire year, and I, I know like the next to last episode, I was like, hey Greg, any thoughts on World War One?" You're like, I'm saving them for the actual last episode, so did you do that? Do you have any thoughts here you want to throw in?
1: Man, really putting me on the spot here.
0: I know, because he did not prepare for this at all.
1: No, I didn't. But really, World War I was a very weird and, in my opinion, awful, awful thing. Yeah. Because you had a lot of people fighting non-traditional warfare, that they had no idea what they were getting into. Uh, And that's when we realized that we were giving a lot of people some issues because we were just, send them to the front, they'll last there for X number of hours or days, and we'll bring them back to recoup, and they'll be good. And that doesn't always work. No. It doesn't work if you send them there for one day. Uh, but see some it, fucked up uh, shit, yeah. World War I, I feel like, was the first time in modern history where people realized war is hell. Yeah. I agree with that, yeah. So, that is what I've learned. What about you?
0: I feel kind of the same. It's this clashing of old and modern worlds where like the, the old leaders, the guys who were leading the fight, like, hey... We're going to fight. We're going to gain this territory. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a great adventure. And then the guys actually fighting it realize it's just fucking awful. And it's just a death factory. And I think one of the more interesting things for me was how it just completely shaped the modern world. Where you have, now you don't have the Ottoman Empire. You have independent countries formed by France and England who are going to fight for the next century. You know, you don't have Russia, you have the Soviet Union who's going to go to war in World War II and then fight the United States and create this thing in Afghanistan. It's, it's just crazy how this one massive conflict created the world we know today. And I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, researching this. Sure, yeah. But, like I said, we are done with that shit. We will, we will never tell another World War I story again. We did it. We knocked it out. You don't need to know anything else about the war, except for these (laughs) little things we're about to tell you. These four fast facts. Fast fact number one. In 1918, during Operation Michael, the Germans unveiled the largest artillery piece to be used during the war. It was 111 feet long, weighed 256 tons, and could hit a target from 75 miles away. Since it was used to shell Paris, it was aptly named the Paris Gun.
1: Fast Fact Number 2 In our episode on the Italian front, we told you how the Italians had no clue how to handle barbed wire. That wasn't a problem for the Americans. By the time they were attacking, most of the barbed wire had rusted and was brittle, or they just laid chicken wire over it and they just walked over the top, no big deal fast fact number three
0: during the three-hour artillery barrage that came before the us's attack on the argonne the allies expended more ammunition than had been fired in the entire four-year u.s civil war the cost was later calculated at 180 million dollars or one million dollars for every minute
1: fast fact number four John Pershing became a hero and was granted the rank of general, joining George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant in that exclusive club. Among the other U.S. soldiers that fought in the war that would go on to be household names were George C. Marshall and a dude, well, he was injured at below wood, but uh, he believed the tank was the future of warfare. And his name was George S. Patton.
0: Alright, thank you guys for listening Hope you enjoyed it In case you didn't catch what Wolf Dick was saying At the very beginning of the episode We are switching to a bi-weekly format It's just a lot of work Being put into these shows
1: And we're a couple of dudes That are fans of The bi (laughs) Format
0: You couldn't resist that should uh,
1: Should we say So
0: yeah, so this show will be going to every two weeks release. In between, you'll be getting videos from us talking about current events. So that's which will be having very soon. You know, a lot of fun stuff. I, I think it's going to be okay. You guys will get over the fact that we're not doing this every week, but you'll enjoy the shit we're putting out in between. So, with that in mind, check out hunterproofhistory.com. You can find information on us. You can find links to our Patreon where you can get old episodes Bonus episodes, bonus video episodes, stuff like that, uh for just three dollars a month. You can also find us at one hundred proof history on social media, mostly the Instagram, that's where I like to hang out, post the funny shit. But that is that's us that's us, man. That's that's hundred proof history. A oh, two nutshell. No. Yeah. No big so, deal. So for Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, Dan, the intro guy, Hambone, the sexual deviant time and space traveling hand puppet I am you know sexy co-host Christopher and I'm saying goodbye but I'm also saying main host Gregory what else I'm also saying goodbye okay yes we did it (laughs) yay yeah we will see you next time or we will see you on another time I love you goodbye I know okay good So anyway, Queen Elizabeth, what's your deal? You down to fuck or what? <laughs> do, do, do. Do, do, do.
3: Ba, da, ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this
1: episode sucks. I quit. I'm, I'm not funny. <laughs> there were some laughs for you. Thank you. German general. Extra,
0: extra. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I just want to be a part of the thing. I just want to be important. I just want Sorry. to feel something. I was
1: already <laughs> going to redo it before your suggestion. As <laughs>
0: okay. you could
1: tell, because I was
2: like, blah, blah. I don't,
1: no, I do I don't, I, know, I know. Shut up. <laughs> I can do better. So you get no credit. You're not a part of it.
0: I can do better. Just give me more vitamin E and give me five minutes for a refractory period. I can do it. Okay, baby.
1: <laughs> Following the defeat of... Ver-
0: you had it overdone when it
1: worked? Tell your bitch dog to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Never. I love her too much. It's distracting me. It has nothing to do with the alcohol.
0: <laughs> it's a fucking dog.
1: you will go snap her neck. You'll do better. And charged into the area around the Argonne. That's my favorite map on Battlefield 1. You remember that? It's a fun game, man. It is a very fun game. Fun game, this bitch. (laughs) Not even a full shot. Not a fun game.
0: Oh, man, it's taking shots out of a fucking $100 allocated bottle. (laughs)